We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off The Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University and class is in session. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, I am the captivating, motivating, tentilating, and money-making Mr. Carborn Jr. And I got my main man, Mr. Paulo Ching. Paul, say what's up to the people. What up, what up, what up to the listeners? Listen, y'all gonna, y'all need to, y'all need to sit and take this one in. This one's gonna be a good one. And it's not just because I have my late night radio voice on right now. It's because I need y'all to understand y'all about to get some game that's gonna change your lives. I'm glad to be here, though. It's a sunny day. It's a sunny day in the South. Yes, sir. Thank you for that, Paul. Guys, I mean, at this point, you already know, every week we love to bring you amazing guests that just improve your life, improve your brand, improve your business. This week is no exception. With that being said, very excited because today's guest is our first athletic trainer on OTC. So uh, about... 60, 70, however many episodes it'll be once this is released in. We finally got our first athletic trainer. So shout out to you for being the first person on here to represent for the athletic trainers. But without further ado, guys, I do want to go ahead and introduce our guest for today. She is BOC certified in the Maryland and Virginia licensed athletic trainer. She is currently an athletic trainer at the Bullet School in Maryland. And she serves on the MAATA Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Community Committee. She founded, this is amazing, guys. She founded Minority Women in Sports Medicine Incorporated, a groundbreaking nonprofit organization in DC that inspires and supports minority women interested in a career in sports medicine. Without further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce our guest. We got the lovely Andrea Durham in the building. Andrea, talk to us. Thank you so much for joining us. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. Well, first of all, I didn't know I was the first athletic trainer. Now I feel like I got to represent for everybody. Y'all should have told me that beforehand. I'm like, uh. No pressure. Um, but <laughs> No, I'm happy to be here. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me. You know, I'm always looking for opportunities to kind of talk about what it is that we do. Um, I think the more people that kind of know about what we do, the, you know, obviously we want to continue to increase impact, you know, and how do we do that by continuing to get our name out there and continuing to increase um, awareness of our org. So thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. The pleasure is ours. So we like to be respectful of your time. We understand mm-hmm. you're busy. You could have been anywhere else, but you chose to be here with OTC and we appreciate that. With that being said, we like to just right off the bat, jump into the why, right? Because a lot of things stem from the why. And with that being said, tell us, first off, why did you choose to pursue the field of athletic training? Uh, it's, it's no like quick answer to that because initially I was a chemistry major at Tennessee State and I thought I was gonna be a scientist. Like you couldn't tell me nothing. I got to my fifth year, I was about to graduate. I think it was February. I was about to graduate with my um, bachelor's of science in chemistry. Um, and be a scientist and then I was like this is boring like this is like really boring I was like I cannot see myself working in nobody's lab for you know the rest of my life no can't do it 
Um, so again, long story short, I started to um, intern at different places. So I thought I was going to be a physical therapist. I started to intern in the clinic, kind of get like some hands-on experience to see if that's what I wanted to do. Then I was like, I'm uh, really not cutting it here either. So then I found my way to my athletic training room at school. Um, and I was like, oh, this is dope. Like this I could do because I always love sports. I always love science. You bring those two together. And it's kind of like the perfect profession. I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. And like you said, the why has literally carried me to this day. So it's something that I take a lot of pride in. Uh, I love my job. I love where I do my job. I love the athletes. Um, it's become a huge part of who I am. Energy. I love it. Um, <laughs> let me ask you a question. Just because, and I think, I'm so glad you're the first athletic trainer we've had because one, I think there seems to be this thing where people don't understand what athletic training really is, right? I'll give the example. Like I remember playing football and the, the only time I had like <clears throat> any kind of interaction with the letter trainers, like if somebody got injured, you know? Mm -hmm. So what would you say? Cause I know y'all do a lot more. What would you say would be the biggest myth or like misconception in your industry? Um, Ooh, that's a tough question. Cause there's a lot, but I say the biggest myth would probably be that we're not educated. Um, because people think that like, first of all, you know, the whole athletic trainers versus trainers thing. So I get on my kids a lot. I'm like, no, I'm not a trainer. I'm an athletic trainer because obviously there's a difference. There is a difference between the two. Um, and I have a ton of education, a ton of education that I'm still paying for to this day. <laughs> so like I have, a, and I think that a lot of times people are like, oh, you had to go to school for that. Oh, I'm like, what? Of course I had to go to school for this. And now I think it's really good as a profession that we're starting to transition to the master's program. Uh, so now a lot of kids who, you know, are in bachelor's programs, they need to go and get a master's before they can do the job. Before it used to be that you could graduate with your bachelor's and still be able to do the same job as me who went to school for an additional three years. So I think that, um, that there's a disparity in education when people kind of compare us to physical therapists. Um, they do go to school for an additional year. But a lot of times at my school at Seton Hall, we took the same classes. We were in the same classes as them. Um, our labs were together. So a lot of the education is the same. And I think that that's a huge myth that we're less educated and that's not necessarily the case. I love that. That's a, that's a major key right there. So I, I, I kind of want to transition just a little bit because I feel like we would be doing you a disservice if we didn't talk about this. And this honestly was how me and Paul found you. So mm -hmm. just talk to us. So minority women in sports medicine. Um, the first thing I said to Paul was, I didn't even know such a thing existed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we looked into the brand and, you know, we, we checked out the, the social media page and stuff. And it was like, wow, this is incredible, you know, that someone is doing this. So talk to us a little bit about you know, what the, the motivation was behind that, as well as kind of how the inception of it came into fruition. Yeah, so very similar to you guys that our organization started in February of last year, too. So very, you know, similar beginnings. But for me, it was one of those things where I went to HBCU, I went to Tennessee State University um, for my bachelor's in chemistry. And then I went to Seton Hall in New Jersey. So imagine me, you know, entering this new profession, because like I said, like I didn't start, you know, training to become an athletic trainer until probably February of my senior year. 
So I go from an HBCU to a predominantly white institution in Seton Hall, and I had no idea what I was getting into. No idea. There was literally three women of color in the class out of, I don't even remember how many of it was, but I don't think nobody prepared me for that. Coming from an HBCU, you know, you see people every day that look like you. Everybody look like you, the teachers, like it doesn't matter. So going to that, it kind of was a shock for me. And it took some adjusting eventually, uh, you know, I kind of came into my own, but I felt like from the beginning that I was never, I was kind of hiding who I was because I didn't feel like I could fully be myself. Um, so the organization was birthed from that feeling. I don't ever want, you know, a minority woman walking into any place and feeling like she doesn't belong. Like we belong, we're just as educated, just as talented, just as smart, and we have just as much to offer. And that is what I tell the women in our program um, is that you belong, you belong. And I think that that is at the center of who we are um, through our mentorship program, our scholarship program and our community service. That's at the core of who we are. Like you belong here. You deserve the same opportunities that everyone else around you gets. Let me ask you a few questions, uh, just mm -hmm. follow-ups based on what you just answered, right? Um, one, I, I really, really appreciate you for creating this. Um, just because like, and I think we had a guest previous that was just talking about even like in physical therapy, since you know, Kyle and I are both in the PT space. And how, like, I think, what was it, 5% of physical therapy mm -hmm. like that? It's just people of color. So we're not even talking about Black folk. We're just talking about people that are not white. And so to have that kind of thing, but then when the majority of your patient load doesn't even have people that look like them, right? It's kind of like that, where everybody walks in expecting that HBCU experience, but, like, it's three y'all. <laughs> in a school of thousands. Like, it's, mm -hmm. it's ridiculous. So... <clears throat> Really, what I want to start by asking comes down to, okay, so somebody, somebody's looking at this, right? Um, a woman's looking at this and thinking to themselves, I need that representation, right? What specific things can somebody find in your organization that maybe would not be that apparent to them anywhere else? Oh, that's a great question. Um, we are a network of believers, I will say that, because I think that in the beginning when we first started, like this organization has literally outpaced me. And what I mean by that is that my, like my gifts outpaced me. Like there's a lot of things that I don't even have any experience in. And I'm like, why is this coming to me at this time? I have never run a business. I never even took a business class. And I'm like, I'm supposed to run this organization in which I have literally no experience so it's just one of those things we're all learning together. And I tell them that all the time. I'm like, I don't know everything. I don't have the answers to everything. But if you come to me, I will figure it out. We are a network of believers. We are a network of game changers. And I say that. And I say that to the women too. Everything we do here is so that it makes it a little easier for you. And then you make it a little easier for the next woman. So through, and we hold like workshops and community events. Like we just had a workshop. Uh, last month where we had a, a lot of um, athletic trainers and physical therapists who work in professional sports come together to kind of talk to the women in our program because they're interested in working in professional sports. And I'm like, boom, that's what you want to do. Let me bring somebody here that looks exactly like you that's telling you that this is possible. No, that's a very critical component of healthcare because 
we're very misrepresented and underrepresented, you know, as Paul was saying earlier with the statistics. And I know like for, for myself, the first time that I saw a black physical therapist was probably like right before I applied to school. You know, like I could count on my on my hand the amount of black physical therapists that I had met, like within like the first year that I was interested in going into PT and being able to see some of the things that they were doing. That was motivation because it's like, oh, wow, like if they can do it, so can I, mm-hmm. you know, and that's such a, a critical component that um, is so needed, you know in this field for us so again like we keep we keep singing your praises but honestly it's it's well deserved because you know this it it's no light thing what you're doing you know and I don't know how many people really tell you that or if it ever sinks in like what you're doing is so big you know but it's amazing um can I piggyback off that a little bit of course what you just said of course so what you just said is huge right because when you think about it majority of the athletes look like us majority of athletes look like us and to walk into a space where we are not necessarily represented I question that I question it a lot because I'm like there's a there's a lot of qualified women of color who can lead these programs and who can run these programs and I didn't really necessarily feel like they were getting the opportunity or recognition they deserve because one of the things that I realized when I started this org, I was like, oh, there's a lot of us out there. And while we might not be getting the recognition, I was like, oh, we're going to change that too. We're going to change that too, because there's a lot of women out there doing some dope stuff and they're not given a platform. And now with social media, I'm like, why not? Why not bring on, you know, the first um, woman of color to run a power five athletic training program? Why not bring her to the table and let our women see that? Like, if this is what you want to do, it's possible. It's possible. So now what I kind of want to talk about, because you you mentioned something that I think this is going to really resonate with a lot of the the business owners and entrepreneurs and the uh, wannabe entrepreneurs that are interested in kind of bridging into that space. And that was the whole notion of February when you first started and as things started to kind of pick up it was like yo i'm just i'm just figuring this out long as i go right so now in retrospect you know uh, a year and some change since the um founding of the organization tell us like what do you think what would you say your top three success habits have been that have allowed the organization to continue to thrive Oh, that's a great question. I'm really excited to answer this one uh, because I think it's huge, right? And I think my number one game changer when it comes to starting anything, right, is belief. And belief in yourself, belief in what you're doing. And I guess to kind of go along with that will also be confidence. Because there were times where I'm like, man, when you first started out, you was like, man, only two people like that post or only one person donated. Like you got like, and I tell, I just said this the other day. I was like, I believe enough for all of us, right? So I'm okay with, you know, only five people liking our post. Like that might've shook me back in the beginning. But now I'm like, please, it doesn't really even matter because let me tell you how prepared I am to counteract that, 
or let me tell you how many people donated but maybe didn't like the post or maybe didn't share it so I, I kind of stopped letting that little stuff get to me because confidence and belief top one like together and then I would say discipline I would say discipline has been huge because there are days where I do I don't feel like doing anything like today I'm on spring break I'm on spring break, but I'm like, oh, we got scholarship applications opening today. I got social media posts to make. Like, I just wanted to lay on the couch all day. But discipline kind of kicked in like, hey, you need to do that because you said April 5th, you know, that this was going to be open. So I say those three, you know, belief, confidence, and discipline will carry you far, especially confidence, man. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself and what you are doing. That is at the foundation of everything, literally everything. You're 100% right. Especially that confidence piece. I think, and this is actually going to transition well into my next question, but with that confidence piece, man, if you really think about it, being an entrepreneur is like belief in your ability to create something out of literally nothing. Like no guarantees, no safety nets. It's just being able to say, this is what I want. So I'm going to go out there and get it done. But I think a lot of people, you know, maybe lack that confidence for a various amount of reasons. One, just being, just not being able to see them in that, see themselves in that light. And the reason why I bring this up, because I want to ask you, you know, what has your entrepreneurship journey been like for you? And I ask this because like here off the clock, the healthcare entrepreneurs podcast, we like to make sure that people can understand, you know, sometimes entrepreneurship is not for everybody, but those of y'all who've been called. Right. For those of y'all who've been called to this thing, there's yeah. going to be love the satisfaction until you say yes. So what has your entrepreneurship journey been like and what have been like some highlight points from the perspective of like confirmation mm. that you're doing what you're meant to be doing? Well, that's a great question. And to kind of piggyback off what you said just a little bit is that I think we got to be doing it for the right reason because I think that that's kind of at the core too of building a successful organization. Like if we're not doing it for the right reason, if it's selfish or if it's not, because it's not necessarily what I want to do, it's what we need. Um, so it was like, where's the void and how do we fill it? Um, so recognizing that, knowing like there's a need that whatever organization you're trying to start can fill. And my journey has been, it's been life-changing completely honest it has been life-changing in so many ways and there's been ups and downs um I was just telling my mom the other day I was like running this business because we're a nonprofit, but we are business like there are things we have to do to you know maintain our um organizational status so we are a business at the end of the day but running this business has literally required things of me that even at the age of 31 I hadn't even tapped into yet Right, like I said, confidence, it required a level of confidence that I hadn't even tapped into yet. It required me to be more disciplined. It required me to show up every day because it's not just about me. It's about the 50 other women who are dependent on me to produce. So, and it's not just me, you know, I have a team um, and we're in the process now as we continue to expand to kind of add to that team. But just like you said in the beginning, it's hard for me to share. It's hard, like I have to trust you. Um, and I think that that has been a journey for me as well, being able to trust people with my baby, like being able to trust you and say, okay, I trust that you can get this job done without like looking over your shoulder every five minutes. Um, so that's been a journey for me and it's been something that's been kind of hard to let go, 
but we're getting bigger y'all like we are expanding faster than I ever could have imagined and it's one of those things where I can't do it alone I can't so I have to learn to trust so it's been up and down it has been life-changing it has you know required me to level up essentially on a lot of my skills um and it, it it's been great it's been great I wouldn't change it for anything and one of the highlights for me is it's been over a year it's been over a year and I know for you guys too that you kind of you know you sit back and you say man it's been over a year during the pandemic we thrived like there were so many other things around me crumbling but we thrived we thrived and I can I will forever be grateful for you know that experience and just kind of listen to myself because there was a time like we weren't really working like that athletic trainers like I was working in the clinics and doing COVID testing and all that kind of thing so it was I was still employed, but I had a lot of downtime and it kept tugging at me. I'm like, this is something that you want to do for years. Why are we still sitting on it? Like, let's move. And being able to listen to that voice, like that kept telling me, move now, move now. I, oh my gosh, I have two questions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the second one just popped up just now, but I'll ask them both. Um, okay. So and I know we kind of mentioned earlier, I think before the episode we started recording, I was telling you how like, you know, for me, one of my hard things is letting other people lead, letting other people do the thing, right? And I'll be honest, like I've done a lot of soul searching this year. I've done a lot of like personality tests. I've like tried to figure out why am I the way I am? And it's just how I'm wired, right? And so for me, for growth, it requires one thing you mentioned, that trust factor, right? Trusting that other people can do it if not better than you, right? So question number one comes down to the trust. Because mm -hmm. I think it's very easy to just be like, you know, you have to be able to trust. But what does that actually look like? Especially when it's something that you burst from like within you mm -hmm. and then saying, hey, here's this thing I created. It is my life passion. And I'm now trusting you to help me grow it. What does that actually look like from the perspective of, the entrepreneur or the boss or the leader passing it on to people on your team so that's question number one mm -hmm. question number two then comes down with that and um comes about really trying to hit home a consistency portion like you mentioned um you were just like uh, it's it's downtime why why am i still waiting mm -hmm. and i think for a lot of people especially entrepreneurs to be it's like i guarantee right None of us as entrepreneurs have ever just like, oh, I just woke up yesterday and I had this crazy idea and now I need to push in. Like a lot of us, we just had this tug, right? We don't really know what it is sometimes, but we have this tug and it kind of eats at us. And then, like you said, you're sitting there and you're wondering, what am I really waiting on at this point? Mm -hmm. Right? So how, how do you learn to trust? What is that trusting of us, somebody else doing it? What does that look like? And two, how can people then learn to identify that push? Mm -hmm. you know that point that says do it now yeah um I would say get you some proven people right because nobody on my team has my trust without have, having proven themselves like they're all good at what they do and maybe in unique ways like a lot of them only one of them has like business experience when you think about like practical like I'm running this business but they're all very good at different things and they've proven that time and time again. So that allows me to kind of, to trust them with my work. And it's one of those things where I also have to kind of make sure that we have that relationship where if they bring me something, 
I can say, hey, you know, what if we did it this way? Or, oh, I'm not really feeling that. Because at the end of the day, like you want to put a product out there that you can stand behind, that you're proud of. So I always, I always value their opinions. I value their opinions because there's some things I miss. Like looking at the same document over and over and over and over again for hours, like you miss things. You miss things like that was a misspelled word on our website for over a year and somebody literally just told me like a week ago and i'm like so there's things that you miss um and it's okay it's okay and sometimes you know it's hard when you bring friends into it and then it's not working out it is it is a business of hard conversations um and that and that's important <laughs> i'm sorry to say if you can't have hard conversations wrong business for you because this is, this is your thing. Like, this is something that you've birthed. So if you can't sit down and tell someone, hey, you know, I'm not really feeling this, or I'm not really feeling the direction that this is going in, wrong business for you. Um, and I think the other thing was about kind of like uh, trusting uh, when it's time to move. Yeah, I'm really no expert in that because <laughs> it, it had been a while. It had been a while. It was on my heart for a while. Um, and I just kept kind of pushing it off, pushing it off. And it was just one of those things where I was like, let's do it. Let's do it. I literally, I, I had started, I was working in my car because I literally only had an hour break because I was working in the clinic in the morning then going to my school in the evening. This was at my last job and I had an hour break. And every day during that hour, I was in my car, like, here's what we need. Here's the void. Here's how we're going to fill it. Here's how we're going to do it. Got to have a plan and protect your plan, protect your vision, protect your dream, because don't be out here telling people what you want too early. Like make sure that you have it all written down, make sure you have it all planned out because a doubter will kill any dream faster than anything. You can't just tell it to anybody. I had been working probably for like six months before I said a word to anybody. Cause I was, I was like, I don't know if someone says like, oh, I don't know if that's good or you shouldn't invest your money in that. You should spend your money on that. I don't know if my belief could have, you know, withstood their doubt at the time. Now you can't tell me nothing. But back then, before we were started, it was fragile. It was fragile. And I, I would, that would definitely be my biggest piece of advice. Keep your head down, work hard, and make sure you're ready when you go to, you know, tell your dream to the world. Because like I said, you might only get two likes in the beginning. But you keep going. You keep going, for sure. All right. So <laughs> that was a bar that you said that a doubter would, <laughs> yes, a doubter would you know, really ruin it and, and the, it, it's crazy because I didn't think about it from that aspect I thought of it for I thought of it from the aspect of like a thief will take it because that's the that's the other piece of it you know that I've seen um because there comes some situations where you can tell someone something and they're like you know what let me go ahead and act on this because it does I don't think you know like I don't think you're gonna do it so let me beat you to the punch and that's just, it's not, don't put yourself in that situation, right? So mm -hmm. um, I, I love that, that little piece that you just said there. That was, that was spot on. So just thinking about the many hats that you're kind of wearing right now, um, and, you know, the organization is just continuously growing, right? You still got work. You still have to worry about taking care of yourself, Talk to us, explain, like, how do you keep yourself balanced in the midst of all of this? That is a, something I'm still learning, I think. Um, and like you said, like, I do wear a lot of hats. Um, I work at a private school, um, so the demand for us is a little different. Um, we are expected to, you know, produce. 
um, which I love um, that great athletes have come out of, you know, the school that I work at. So it's not like, you know, I'm just going there and sitting around all day. Like it is a job that, you know, demands me to be great. And I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I relish in that. But one of the things that I think you can kind of come back to is that discipline, right? So I'm disciplined in my work now so that later I can do X, Y, and Z. So I think like having that balance, like today, I was like, okay, well, you need to get X, Y, and Z done before you take a 30 minute nap or whatever. So just making sure that I knock out what I need to knock out so that I am available to do X, Y, and Z. Like I wanted to go see my grandma today. So just like things like that, like making sure that we write it down. Like I write down, like, here's what needs to get done today. Here's what has to get done today. And then here's some things that could, you know, wait for tomorrow, maybe. Um, if you want, if you wanted to push them to tomorrow, but just making sure that you're disciplined at the end of that's at the root of everything, right? Being disciplined, saying this is what I want to do now so that I can do this later. I like that. Um, here's, here's a question. Mm -hmm. I think you'll actually enjoy. Do you think anybody is capable of being an entrepreneur? I don't really think anybody is like fully ready for this. Like people, people survive because they adapt, right? But before you're into it, you don't know what you're going to be until you're like thrown into the flames, right? People survive in this world because they adapt to whatever it is around them. But like, if you would have said, do you have all the tools before starting a business? I would say no. Like you have to go through the fire a little bit. And it's a little bit of trial and error. It's a little bit of trial and error because there are a lot of businesses out there that don't survive for, you know, a lot of different reasons, whatever the reasons may be. But I think that going through the process like you won't know until you get started you won't know you won't know until you start so when we talk about who's capable I feel like we're capable of doing anything but the thing is is can we sustain and that's why I said like you know one year being like huge for us is like can we sustain can we get to two years can we get to three years because that that <laughs> is where that is where the bread and butter is sustainability it's not starting anybody can start anything can you sustain it and for how long so kind of piggybacking off, Paul, actually, you know what, I'm going to take it in a little bit of a different direction. So one of the things that makes OTC unique is that we don't, we don't just want to give the guests or the listeners information, um, you know, on your story, but we also want to teach them, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's knowledge is power, especially when it's applied knowledge. Now, with that being said, one of the amazing things that you can offer your insight into is the world of nonprofits, right? Um, you've been able to create a successful one now that is continuously growing and, and thriving. And so for anyone that's listening and maybe they have that idea like, hey, I would like to start a, a nonprofit organization describe a, describe to us like the process of being able to create a nonprofit and what are the the different channels essentially that they would need to go to in order to create their nonprofit mm -hmm. yeah so it's very unique from state to state right um so i can only speak for like maryland slash washington dc area when it comes to you know state regulations but when we're talking federal and we're talking just getting your 501c3 um, that's pretty standard and it's pretty easy. Let me tell you, just have some money. 
because these forms, like the IRS is coming for every single dollar when you are trying to uh, start an organization for sure. Um, I believe it was a lot. I remember just to get the name, it was close to $300 just for the name, just to say we are Minority Women in Sports Medicine Incorporated, period, on a piece of paper. Can you give us $300, please? And then you kind of go from there, getting your 501c3, um, and that's federal. So it's it's a very short form, especially if you're an organization that's going to like gross under $50,000. It's pretty easy, quick, and to the point. If you think you're going to make over $50,000, it's a pretty, it's a drawn out process from there because they want to make sure that funds are going where they need to go. Um, so just making sure that you are reading everything because there are forms for literally everything. I'm very meticulous about every single dollar that we bring in has to be accounted for every single dollar. I don't care if someone sends us $2 on Cash App for a workshop. Um, it has to be accounted for. So just staying on top of that stuff um, and just make sure that you're reading. Like I said, every state is different um, and what they require from you to kind of get up and running. And there's a lot of resources out there. There's a lot of resources out there for someone who wants to start a nonprofit. It is rewarding. Um, and I think people dig it because it's, it's like it's not like the money is going to me. You know, I haven't paid myself out of anything um, that we've made so far. And I do a ton of work. I do a ton of work. So um, everything I do is not about me. It's about the women. You know, it's about it's about minority women in sports medicine. It's not about Andrea. Never has been. And I think that that is what kind of keeps me uh, going. And I guess one piece of advice that I would give for someone trying to start a nonprofit is if you don't ask, the answer will always be no. The answer will always be no. There were times where I asked orgs, um, for example, Target. We were do, I was doing a back to school drive um, for a homeless youth shelter last um, summer. And I went into Target and I'm like, hey, you know, do you guys wanna donate some school supplies to this back to school drive that we're doing? They were like, oh no, we won't donate school supplies, but here's $500. I'm like, what? I was like, I ain't even coming here for that. Then I went to another Target and they was like, here's $500 more. So let me tell you, like, if you don't ask, People want to give. People want to give, especially these big corporations. Like they dig this kind of stuff. I didn't know they had money set aside monthly for you know people like us that want to give back to other people. So if you don't ask, the answer will always be no. Reach out to people if you need help. Don't be afraid to ask. So we have a segment on the show. We're gonna segue to this segment real quick, but we have a segment on the show that we do, which is our Black Health segment and. Mm -hmm. Every episode, essentially, we kind of try to bring light to some of the issues that we face in the African-American, Afro-Caribbean community, um, you know, that people may not know and kind of inform them on. And so for today's segment, this is a little bit different because uh, this is more of a you can go check this out type of thing. But for today's segment, guys, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks. So if you've never seen that movie, um, please go see that movie. If you've never heard of this story, please go look up the story. Um, but this is more so bringing light to just the ethical side of, of, of you know, some of the issues that we face in our community. <clears throat> With that being said, um, Henrietta Lacks was an African-American woman whose cancer cells are the source of the HALA or HELA cell line, which is like the first immortalized 
human cell line and one of the most important ones in medical research. Now, the issue comes in the fact that her cells were taken without her knowledge and all of the good that has come from her cells, uh, her family has never been compensated for. So if you've never seen this movie, if you've never heard of this story, uh, please go look it up. This is just another thing to kind of bring light to some of the issues that we have to face as African-Americans and Afro-Caribbeans and Afro-Latinas. And, you know, I could keep on going. Um, and just the, the problem with ethics in healthcare. So that is the Black health segment for today. Uh, the Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Please go check that movie out. That's a good one. Let me um, shout out to that Black Health segment, by the way. That's dope. Uh, let me ask you two final questions. The first, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, I'm dramatic. Uh, the first, you know, just what advice, how do I say this? What advice would you give to young entrepreneurs or even yourself? right? If, if, if you could just, just hop in a time machine and go back, right? Mm-hmm. What advice would you give yourself in relation to entrepreneurship that would help you get to where you are faster if that's something you desired? I'll say that I don't necessarily desire to get where I am any faster because it's all a part of the journey. Um, I'm one of those people that I'm, I'm very grateful for the journey. Um, so I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't want to get there faster, but one advice I would give one piece of advice that I would give to myself is to remember who you are, like remember who you are and never forget that ever again. Because like I said, like back in grad school and even in, even in my early professional career, there was a lot of times where I felt like I couldn't be me in different places and spaces, wherever it may be. I felt like I couldn't be me. And now here I am 30 finally stepping into who I am. And what a beautiful thing, right? What a beautiful thing to kind of step into who you are. And that's the biggest piece of advice to myself is to remember who you are and don't ever forget that again. And that has kind of translated into my business because I'm confident now. Before when I was lacking confidence, didn't really know who I was. Like, I don't think that I could have done this five years ago, given who I was then. So just as I begin to step into myself, everything around me begins to fall into place. Everything around me begins to fall into my place when I give others the permission to be themselves. And that's the biggest thing about our organization is that here, there is no need to hide who you are here. This is a space that is safe for everyone. This is a space where you can, you know, take off your acting hat, sit down, kick up your feet, and we're going to have a conversation. And that is, that's what we're creating. It's a safe space for everyone. No judgment here. We're here to help. Um, And I think that me wishing that I would have kind of stepped into my power a little sooner forces me to bring that up to other women, you know, forces me to kind of bring that to them. Like, Hey, you know, you got it. You got it. Everything you want is right here. You got it. You can do this. And, uh, you know, just encouraging them, keeping them moving. Um, it's huge. It's huge. And it has been life-changing for me on the other side. I love that. Um, now that hits home, you know, especially that portion about stepping into your power. That's one of the, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a un, undeserved gem. Um, let me ask you one more question. This will be my last one. 
And it's a bit of a fun one. Okay. Okay. Um, so, and you know, we've asked this to guess before, but if you, Andrea, could invent the next big thing in any industry, right? So it doesn't have to be just whatever it is. If you could invent the next big thing, what would that be for you? Wow, that's a tough question. The next big thing. I don't even really know what to say to that, but I guess I'll kind of bring it back to my Ori and what I hope we become. Um, because I'd say that if you ask me what the end game is for us and what I hope that we become is I hope we become, you know, one of the largest mentorship programs for young minority women. And I hope that we continue to create this huge network where you know people become members of our organization we continue to offer different community um, service events we continue to offer different um, learning opportunities for women of color um, that's a game changer right there um, having an organization strictly for us that caters to us with us in mind um, that's a game changer for me so when you talk about what's the next big thing or what's what would i invent um, it would be that i hope i answered your question because that's the first thing that popped in my mind, so. Listen, you sure did. I love it. I love it. That's our Fugu energy right there. For <laughs> us, by us. For us, by us. Yeah. And if you have a pending lawsuit, you know what else is for us, by us, for listeners? These t-shirts. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. It's that time, okay? <laughs> it's t-shirt time. We should call them t-shirt Tuesdays. Except the person. Well, these come out on Thursday, so t-shirt Thursday. Listeners, listen, if you want to get your shirt, I have the gray. Carl has a black. We have the white. And if you're in your text group, you might be getting a text soon about something we got coming out for y'all. It's limited, but it's dope. You can ask Carl. They are dope. But in order to find out what that is, you've got to be able to text us. So what do you do? you got to text the word SHIRT to 321-384-6275. Again, that is the word SHIRT to 321-384-6275. And this episode is amazing. And I know half y'all were there taking furious notes. But for those of y'all who did not take notes, for those of y'all who sat in class and did not pay attention because you were too mind blown by how amazing this was. Listen, we got y'all. All you gotta do is text word study guide, study guide, 321-384-6275. Text the word study guide to 321-384-6275 and we'll hook you up and make sure that you are good. Segway King right there, appreciate that, Paul. Now, this episode was, this was dope. This was a dope one. Um, Thank you. Right. Again, like we don't we don't take it lightly that you made some time to come talk to us and we don't take it lightly what you're doing either, because it's incredible. And just know that you always have support from OTC. Um, we always tell people, you know, once you come into our circle, our sphere of of uh, influence, if we can help you out in any way possible, you know, we'll definitely do that. So just keep doing what you're doing. It's amazing. And for anyone who's listening to this and it's their first time being exposed to you and they may want to get in touch with you, they may want to join the organization or contribute to the organization, um, what would be some social media or contact information that you would want to leave with them? Uh, so you can visit our website, uh, which is mwnsportsmed.org. Um, we, we are on Facebook as well as Instagram at mwnsportsmed.org. Uh, MW in sports or Instagram and Facebook. Um, so yeah, there's all of our contact information there. There's ways to send us an email. 
um, to kind of be more involved. We're always looking for great mentors. Um, if you're in a program or you run a program, whether that be athletic training, physical therapy, pre-med, whatever it is, we're always looking for women to join our organization. So tell a friend, tell a friend for sure. Um, we're expanding, we're expanding and I'm super excited. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me on. I can't wait to hear this episode. Can't wait to share it. Um, some good stuff happened today. Yes, ma'am. It sure did. And again, you know, the pleasure was ours. So thank you to our lovely listeners. It is that time of the episode where we must bid you guys farewell for now. But do me and Paul a favor. Go on to the Apple podcast app. Troll all the way down to the bottom. Click the five stars for a five-star rating and then click write a review. Leave us two to three sentences telling us why this episode was so fire or telling us why the podcast was so amazing. Because guys, again, it's not us trying to be annoying and nag you. It is just we want other people to see the value that you've been seeing and why you keep coming back to OTC and listening. So if you've been supporting us since day one, we love you. We appreciate you. If you're new to the OTC bandwagon that's okay we got plenty of room welcome to otc university class is always in session but until next time guys peace many blessings thank you for listening to another episode of off the clock don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast see you next episode